It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores. Darnell Nurse. He's looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And it's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. at the ball game tonight. Reed Wilkins live at Remax Field, one hour away from first pitch. Your Edmonton prospects taking on the Okotoks Dogs. Great to be here tonight. Perfect spot right behind home plate in the uh, lounge area here. So this is going to be fun taking in this game. The Edmonton prospects also getting ready for that big Canada Day game against the Brooks Bombers. That is always a summer highlight here in Edmonton. That'll be 7 o'clock Sunday. And you can stay right down here in the River Valley and watch the fireworks or uh, come out tonight too and say hi. Big game for the uh, prospects. They're having a pretty good season. They've had a little bit of a tough run here lately. They're going to be trying to snap a four-game losing streak against Okotoks, who are perennially one of the top teams in the league. But don't forget, the prospects have been to the league championship series the last two years. All right. So uh, we'll be joined by Jordan Blundell, the assistant general manager of the prospects as we go along tonight. A lot of baseball talk and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Edmonton Eskimos as they get ready for the BC Lions on Friday. Eskimos 1-1, one and one, Lions 1-0. and oh. We had some amazing chats last night with Odell Willis from the Lions defensive line and Alex Bazzi, uh, a new Edmonton Eskimo, signed in the offseason previously with the BC Lions. Uh, they were on Inside Sports last night. Friday's game will kick off at 8. We'll have the play-by-play for you here on 6.30 Ched with Morley and Dave and our pregame show, the countdown to kickoff, will start at 6. Big one for the Eskimos. they got to bounce back. They, they've been a team pretty good at doing that really the last three or four years, going back to uh, 2014 when they kind of started ramping up for that 2015 Great Cup victory. You know what Mike Riley can do. He rarely has two off games in a row, and uh, we'll see if they can get up to 2-1 and and get their first home victory of the season. The Edmonton Oilers, of course, looking ahead to free agency. That is on Sunday, Sunday at 10 a.m. Edmonton time, always on Canada Day. That's when teams can start signing free agents. Of course, now they have this interview period where teams can talk uh, ahead of time. Peter Shirelli, the general manager of the Oilers, had these words today on their approach to free agency. We've, we've had a number of uh, interviews with, with players, um, um, the, the, the level of player is varies. Um, we've had a number of discussions with teams uh, on opportunities. Um, I don't expect we'll be active from the from the star player perspective. Um, 
that would require trades too, if we did that. So not, not much has changed. Some there. depth you're looking, can you still scratch the itches you need to uh, from this free agent class? Do you see some solutions, I guess, to your depth players to maybe an extra defenseman? Are those guys there for you? There's, there's depth players. There's bottom six players. Yeah, we're looking at those. Well, that's what the Oilers are going to be going after. They, they, as Shirley said, they simply don't have the cap space to get any big fish unless there's a trade. And in that case, you, you're, you know, you're trading out somebody like Lucic or, or Clefbaum that's making four plus million dollars a season. I, I think that seems unlikely at this point. You never take it out of the realm of possibility. But also for that to happen, there'd have to be salary out and not a lot of salary back in if they're going to make a trade and, and then go after a prime free agent. So I think it's more likely we see the Oilers do what they did last year, where they get some depth into the organization. One guy they signed last year on free agency day was Ty Ratty, who wound up contributing late this past season and is clearly going to get a chance on one of the top two lines coming into this year. Uh, we've, we've talked about some possible names on this show over the past two days in terms of players who didn't receive qualifying offers from their teams. Defenseman Brandon Davidson, could he possibly be an oiler for the third time? Tobias Reeder, he could be an oiler for uh, for the second time. He wasn't qualified by, by Los Angeles. Anthony Duclair, you know, some faster players who might be able to play in the bottom six, forecheck, kill some penalties, you know, accept that type of a role. Uh you know, I'm just looking through the free... I mean, how about this name for a guy possibly coming back? Kyle Brodziak, 34 years old, 33 points in 80 games for St. Louis this past season. He was paid $900,000. What if you get a guy like him to, you know, possibly play on your fourth line, take some face-off skill penalties? So though, I think those are the... I'm not going to go through absolutely everybody on the list that could probably make a million dollars or less because we'd be here all night. But I, I think players in that range, those types of players, were looking at third or fourth liners. Maybe they try to get some experience players who can who, who can specialize who are maybe not great all-round players but really good in one area face-off specialist maybe a speed guy who, who could forecheck doesn't have the finish maybe but can forecheck depth defenseman a guy who understands who he is he's a six seven type defenseman he's going to be sitting out some nights uh, but when he gets in there and play he can he can get the puck out he can play a little physical and at least be dependable uh, on a third pairing so I think that's who the Oilers are going to go at I, I wouldn't expect that there's going to be some you know, where they get one of the bigger fish like Lucic a couple of years ago and Sekra the year before that. So that's what we look forward to for free agency for the Edmonton Oilers. Why was Peter Shirelli speaking to the media today? Well, he, of course, midway through this last season, um, obviously there were the reports that he was more active in terms of what was going on with the Edmonton Oil Kings. And uh, he did the hiring for the Oil Kings new general manager and president of hockey operations announced today that that is Kurt Hill. The Oil Kings also named a new head coach, Brad Lauer, former NHL player, assistant coach in the NHL, WHL, and AHL over the course of his coaching career, most recently last three years with the Tampa Bay Lightning. You'll hear more from him in a minute. But Kurt Hill's an interesting case. A uh, younger guy, 30 years of age, played in the WHL. Then he went to the University of Waterloo and played U sports hockey, graduated in 2013 with a degree in recreation and sports business, wanted to pursue 
being uh, you know a manager in hockey. He actually worked for the WHL in player development and recruitment for three seasons, and then spent this last year as uh, an amateur scout for the Chicago Blackhawks. He's been working for the Hawks and the Oil Kings really since May 1st. The uh, Blackhawks said, uh, can you wait until uh, you actually do the official Oil Kings announcement until after the draft is over. So we met Kurt Hill today, and I asked him about his aspirations to get into management. Yeah, you know, it was my time when I was, uh, well, going back to when I was in school, obviously, I, I went to school for sports business. I wanted to work in the industry. So when I got out of, when I graduated from university, uh, I got a job opportunity with Ottawa. And when I was there, I was in the marketing department. And I really felt I wanted to be a part of the hockey operations kind of staff in some fashion. So the opportunity opened up at the Western League where I got a great opportunity to spend four years there and really learn, get to learn the league, get to learn all the people in the league. And most importantly, my relationships around are, are really good, really strong right now. So when I was there, I, that's when I really realized I wanted to be a general manager in the league and uh, I got an opportunity with Chicago to get in scouting for a year which was outstanding um, really got to learn a lot from Stan and the group there, Mark Kelly um, and that was great so that's kind of my journey of becoming a general manager Did you expect to be a GM at the age of 30? You know I, did, I put a lot of you know, I put pressure on myself to kind of, you know, achieve and, and do well. And it's pro- I didn't expect it right away, but when the opportunity came and, uh, you know, and, and they called and I was going through the interview process, I, I was excited for the opportunity and um, it's something that I feel that I, I can achieve that for sure. What does this roster need? Obviously, the last two or three years have been tough. Uh, what does this roster need to start pushing for the playoffs and who knows, maybe championships again? Yeah, I think sometimes in junior hockey, it's um, a, a year away, a year, an extra year for players means a lot. You know, sometimes at the end of the season, it's when those guys go home and they have a good summer. A lot can happen over the course of a summer. So we're excited to see what they come back and, and they bring to training camp. Um, you know, we want to obviously play with a little bit more skill than we have in the past um, moving forward this year. But I think patience is important in junior hockey too because we have a very strong prospect pool coming through and we have a real strong core of young players on our roster right now too. So um, evaluating our guys and where we're at right now and hoping everybody comes to camp re-energized with a fresh slate for every player coming back. In the NHL, there's a distinct advantage being in a big market opposed to a small market. What about in your league? You're in as big a market as there is in the Western League. Should that be an advantage? I believe so. I think it helps in in some areas. I mean, there's league policies and standards across the board that uh, it doesn't matter which market you're in. It's it's a fair league in that sense. But I think in the sense of uh, players and recruiting players and the players you draft, I think everybody is excited when the Oil Kings call their name. And I think it's, um, you know, I think we can maybe be a little bit more aggressive on maybe the American kid player too and it might have an opportunity to come play here I think with the rink and uh, obviously the city of Edmonton and how great of a hockey town it is um, we hope that we can attract some more players to come and play here all right, a little bit there from Kurt Hill. So he takes the reins of the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, you know, relatively young, 30 years of age, hopefully. And, and you know, tough, tough couple of years here for the Oil Kings. Uh, I think they have some prospects year under their belt, some players who played last year. You know, sometimes you can see big steps in junior hockey. The guy on the bench who will be in charge of helping them do that, Brad Lauer, hired as head coach, 51 years of age. I mentioned past three seasons, an assistant coach with the Tampa Bay Lightning, formerly a WHL player. He's glad to be back in the league. I mean, the league has definitely changed, you know. I mean, obviously, it's, I spent five years in Coot before I uh, went on uh, into the pros. But, um, you know, we see the, all these kids that come from junior, we see them coming in, in through the pro pro levels. You know, I've worked, been able to work with some of the young guys that came through the Western Hike League, um, you know, with the Tampa Bay Lightning or with the, with the 
Anaheim Ducks, you know, is there going to be some adjustment period? I think it is. I mean, I've talked to a lot of coaches in the league and and and, and asked them, I said, How, like, is there a big change? Has it changed quite a bit? And, and the big thing that really came back to me with conversations through some of the head coaches I had with the league uh, at, at the draft this year is the big thing is when the young kids come in, um, they're the best players coming out of the Bantam or Midget program, and, and they feel they should be getting um, the same type of ice time. And, you know, that's probably the biggest thing I'm going to have to have to deal with is that they feel entitled to maybe getting those big minutes right away. Um, you know, obviously there's there's going to be situations where we're going to have to deal with stuff like that. But um, look, looking at and talk, like I said, talking with other coaches, uh, I feel comfortable that uh, those situations, we, we have that in the NHL when guys come from uh, the minors or, or come out of junior, um, successful careers feel entitled. And, and you know, it's, it's just communication and it's just handled in the right way. All right, so Brad Lauer, new head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings. I also asked him about his coaching philosophy. Well, I think the biggest thing, I think, I mean, I don't know if the days are over yet, but, you know, I'm not one of those coaches that's going to be a yeller or a guy that's going to threaten guys to get them to work. You know, I believe the lines of communication is very important. I believe in the open-door policy that if there's something bothering a player, I think if they need to talk about it, they have to talk about it. Um, you know, I, I believe in communication. Um but I also believe, you know, they, they have to, the accountability is going to be very important. You know, I think it's going to be something, obviously, with a younger group and developing, but they still, they have to understand what accountability is and, and what what they need to bring to the table, um, to the game and their game to, to be, to have team success. And, uh, you know, I feel very, very, for me, the biggest thing is, is communication with, with the players, making sure um, when they leave the rink, they're, they're fine with where, they, where they're at. All right, that is Brad Lauer. You can get more on the Oil Kings hires today by going to 630Ched.com. We have a lot to talk about live at REMAX Field, Inside Sports on 630Ched. A very special guest, we hope, coming up next. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630Ched. Remax Field tonight. This is a fun little road trip for me. 7 o'clock, first pitch. The Edmonton Prospects taking on the Okotoks Dogs, D-A-W-G-S. And I'm pleased to be joined on the line here quickly as he gets ready for his big program tonight. Former host of the week that was, two-time best-selling author, TSN anchor Jay Onright. Jay, how are you doing, buddy? Really good, Reeve. How's everything? Hope the Trappers can pull off a big win. <laughs> This is great. Oh, you and I are of that era. We, I was just talking with somebody. Th- this was Ron Kittle, Tim Salmon, some guys who went oh, on to be man, great yeah. major leaguers. Yeah. yeah, the California Angels farm team. It's really the Pacific Coast League. What The Calgary Cannons, the Vancouver Canadians. What a time it was. The Albuquerque Dukes, the uh, Tucson. The Dukes. It was, yeah. The Colorado Springs Sky, Sky Sox. It was uh, just Sky a... a what a dumb name! They don't <laughs> What was there? What was, did they play Spirit in the Sky when they ran out onto the field? Like, I, I don't know. Speaking of playing songs, who, uh, who decided to play Machine Head by Bush? Uh, leading to this interview. Uh, Gavin Rossdale. Oh, here's the thing. Programming the show now, or... 
you're impossible to please musically. I play 80s rock. You, t- you tell me to get into the, you know, into the future. Uh, we play 90s rock. You're like, what, I have to, I can only play the war on drugs now? That's the only thing we're allowed to play? That, from now on, when I make appearances on Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, I insist you only play the war on drugs. Great Philadelphia fan. Uh, great album, which you introduced me to. Uh, what's the album called? The Deeper Understanding. Yeah, that, that's a, a good record, especially if you like songs of 11 minutes or longer. Yeah, it's like our features on TFN now. Nothing shorter than 10 minutes. I'm like, did we get another soft focus shot of an Icelandic drum guy? Can we just move on and tell the story, please? No, but they do great work. They really do. Uh, did, now, the night the Eskimos played in Winnipeg and the game took six hours, did you just yes. have to sit there at work waiting for your show to start? Yes, we did. I'm glad you asked about that. That was interesting because, um, you know, I, I had been in Los Angeles for the last few years, hadn't uh, had a chance to cover the CFL for quite a while, was very excited about the, uh, the season opener, and uh, lo and behold... It lasted uh, about the length of uh, the Godfather trilogy. It was, it was, it took a while, but we got through it together, and um, and the Eskies got a big win. It was exciting. I uh, feel terrible for Ricky Ray today, though. Reed, this is. Uh, I wondered, you know, when he came back this season, I thought, man, you know, I don't know. It would be, it would have been such a nice way for him to go out. Um, winning that Grey Cup last year, but uh, I hope he's okay. I hope health wise he's okay, but. Uh, but, yeah, people are just tuning in. He's out for the season. Obviously, they went and got James Franklin from our Eskimos, so they're they're kind of set up in that way. Though tonight, Dave Naylor, our CFL insider, is going to come on our show, Sports Center with Jane Dan, which is on at uh, 10 o'clock p.m. Edmonton time. Hope everyone can tune in. I believe he's going to make a case for the Argos to trade for Johnny Mantell. Oh, that'd be thrilling, wouldn't it? Well, then maybe people in Toronto would finally realize the Argos have a team. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Here's my proposal. Tell me what you think. You're a CFL guy. And I don't know, I have to admit, I don't know if the Argos and the Alouettes have their first-round picks in the CFL draft next year. If you know, you can correct me on this. But why not a three-way deal? You send Franklin to Montreal... Um, you send Manziel to the Argos, and both Montreal and Toronto send their first-rounders next year's draft to Hamilton. Who says no? You're like a young Eric Tillman swinging those deals, who I know you look up to. Whoa, whoa, that's too soon. I'm still bitter about that one. Uh, Jay, I gotta let you get ready for your show. I gotta have uh, the Evans Prospects Assistant General Manager standing by. Thanks for fitting us in tonight. It was an absolute pleasure, and uh, looking forward to the Oilers signing John Tavares uh, next week. Go Oil! <laughs> All right, that's Jay Onright from TSN. Uh, I don't expect that to happen, everybody. Jay likes to joke around sometimes in case you you didn't notice. Uh, We had some uh, weird feedback there. I'm not sure what was going on, but thanks for staying with us through that interview. Always great to have Jay on the show. We're back after the 6.30 news. We'll set up tonight's prospects game for Remax Field.
listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. to have Jay on right on the show for more on the Oil Kings hires today. Kurt Hill as president of Hockey Ops and GM Brad Lauer as head coach. You can go to 630Ched.com. We had some clips from them in the first half hour. Kurt was on with Bob Stoffer today on Oilers Now and you can go to the Oilers Now page on 630Ched.com if you want to get that full interview. Fun night tonight. Weather's looking great. I'm live at Remax Field. First pitch coming up at 7. The Edmonton Prospects back home from a six-game road trip to take on the the Okotoks Dogs and the Prospects also ramping up for their big traditional Canada Day game on Sunday 7 o'clock against the Brooks Bombers and I'm pleased to be joined by Assistant General Manager Jordan Blundell. Jordan, thanks for dropping by. Thank you, Reed. Thanks for having me. Gotta be happy to be home, eh? That was a long road trip. Yeah, it's, uh, that's the grind road trip of the summer. Every team has one of those and uh, you know, it was a grind for us. We played some tough teams. Six game road trip. Unfortunately, you dropped the last four so you gotta uh, claw back towards 500. Here you are though in a playoff spot. Four out of six teams in each division make the playoffs. I don't know, you guys have made the league final out of fourth place two years in a row. Maybe not a formula you want to test too many times. <laughs> or maybe that's what we're trying to have happen again. <laughs> no, for sure. It, uh, you know, we ran into some pretty good arms in, in Saskatchewan. Uh, Swift, Current, Weyburn have a couple guys that are that are big time and uh, we got the chance to see them. Um, so it was a good test for our guys. Um, obviously, we didn't get the results we were looking for, but uh, you know, I think we view this as a, as a time to build character in that clubhouse, you know, it's it's time to come together and uh, find a way to overcome some adversity in the middle of the season. And uh, uh, we feel like that's a good way to strengthen our character as a group. Well, I'm sure you guys got the best home stadium in the league. Uh, yes. So, I mean, this is such a jewel down here in the River Valley. Uh, you know, your ownership group has done such a great job keeping it going and uh, and getting people out here. I know the attendance goes up every year. Uh, you know, the team's doing much better the last two or three years and maybe a little earlier. Uh, but it's, it's odd. I mean, the prospects have been around over a decade now. And I know as a sportscaster, there's one question I still get asked a lot. And you probably get asked it too. So you're the expert here. I'm going to ask you. People say, who are these guys? I mean, it's not affiliated ball anymore. Unfortunately, we haven't had that for a while. But who are the Edmonton prospects? The Edmonton prospects represent uh, the heartbeat of baseball in Canada. And, and that's that's kids pursuing their dreams. Um, they're, they're kind of at the end of the line in the age spectrum. Uh, these are guys that have played college baseball or are currently in college, uh, and they're pursuing an opportunity to get to professional baseball. Um, baseball is a different sport than hockey in that sense. Uh, hockey, you're identified you know, potentially at 14, 15, 16. You know, your window to, to make an impact and, and get to professional ranks is is short and it's young uh where baseball is a different sport uh baseball is a a sport that you develop into uh you guys find their stride sometimes at 25 26 um we see every year in the big leagues guys guys end up finding their way there at 28 31 uh they, they do the grind in the minor leagues and, and then something clicks something happens for them to get that opportunity um and, and that's what these kids are chasing uh they're they're pursuing their education uh these guys are they're all uh 
going to find their way into the work world here at some point. So they're, they're chasing the piece of paper, the degree at the end of the tunnel. They get a chance to play college baseball. And uh, for, for a lucky few of them, they'll get a chance to play professional. Now, speaking of that, a young man I got the interview two or three weeks ago who... This is one of those situations, right? You're thrilled, but also disappointed because yeah, he has exactly. to leave the team. He was one of your best players. Yeah. Eric Sobrowski got drafted in the 14th round by the San Diego Padres. Big guy, six foot five, left-handed power pitcher. Incredible, I'm coming after you type attitude. Uh, I, I don't know if you've been in touch with him since he's gone to, to the Padres, uh, you know, the rookie camps and all that kind of stuff. But what can you tell us about Eric, who, who is an Edmontonian? He got drafted. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Eric's the type of player that... that uh, you know, he's played in this league. He's the type of player that, that kids that are in Little League, kids are 12, 14, 16 years old, should look up to. Um, he, he was a, a good peewee player. He was a good bantam player. Um, would you describe him as the best player on the field all the time? No, not necessarily. Uh, was he one of the better? Yeah, for sure, the whole way up. Um, but he had to work hard to get to where he's at. He had to have opportunity, which he had here with the prospects, which he also had with the Prospects Academy. Um, and, and through those opportunities, created his own opportunity. Um, you know, you go down south and, and you, you get in the weight room in the off season. It's just like here. You know, you're now playing on the field November through through February. You're training. You're, you're, you're get, trying to get yourself ready to go. And uh, Eric was ready for that opportunity. And, and you know, no one would have imagined the, the, the level of success he reached this year in, in, in the school he was at at Cloud County. Um, you know, he struck with 120 guys. Um, he set school records from beginning to end, absolutely mowed hitters down. Um, and that caught the eyes of guys, you know, and the, the people, the fans of the prospects have seen that over the last couple of years here at REMAX. Um, and, and it became evident that more and more people were seeing it. And he had quite a bit of interest. And, you know, obviously being in the 14th round, that's another thing for sports fans. You know, we, we think of 14th round, you know, maybe that, that's a long way in the draft. For baseball, that's, yeah, not so pretty, much in baseball. that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, there, there's a ton of teams. There's a ton of levels. There's a, there's a ton of hurdles you need to, to cross. And, and being in the 14th round, that's pretty good. That's mid-round. Uh, you're going to get an opportunity. And, and Eric's created that for himself. Yeah, he's going to be fun to watch. People should remember that name for, for sure. And as I mentioned, you know, you know what it's like in sports, right? You got the size. You'll you'll always get the chance. He's got the left left hand, and just from meeting him that one day and, and talking to you and other people around the team, uh, you know, he's got he's got the confidence. Like he he's coming after you when he's on the mound. He's yeah. not there to nibble. He's he's you know I think he'll he'll learn that too as he gets older too. But but he's he's got a great aggressive mentality. Jordan Bendell is the assistant general manager of the Edmonton Prospects. We're live at Remax Field tonight. Okay, so I asked you who they are in terms of the general makeup of the players, you know, college uh, college kids. It, but is it when you stock your roster, is it all recruiting? Like, are you guys always beating the bushes, trying to convince guys to come get here? And I know you have some yeah, Edmontonians, yeah, most definitely, too. Most definitely. Even the Edmontonians, it, it's something that you need to get in touch with. Uh, there, there are other opportunities out there. Um, you know, and the Edmonton guys are being recruited by other programs in our league, as well as other leagues. Uh, there, there's quite a few collegiate summer leagues that, 
produce talent like the, the, the Western Major League, which will be the Western Canadian Baseball League as of next year. Um, so that, that's part of the deal. Uh, I would say 24-7, 365. Uh, the front office of, of every sports team is in that mold. We're trying to identify talent. We're trying to connect with coaches. We're trying to create pipelines. We're trying to create relationships. And those are things that, that could happen today as much as, you know, December 24th. Right. Um, you know, everybody's online. Everybody's on social media. You're always kind of touching base with someone that you know. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, hey, man, uh, you, you should get in touch with this coach. Uh, he's got a guy I think you'll like. And then you make the call and you develop a relationship. And then three months later, the kid's up here. Um, so it, it's a pretty cool process, uh, the recruiting the recruiting deal. It is a grind. You know, you're, you're looking for the right piece at the end of the roster. And, and so you, you need one more arm or you're looking for an outfielder. And, you know, the, the people that you know might not have that. So you, you, you tap into whatever you can. And, and, and you, you dig out the phone book and you get online and you look up programs. And you see if you've got a connection there. And if you don't, you cold call. Um, so it, it's fun. It's fun. And it's fun getting to know guys down there. Um, the, the, maybe the, the call that we make, they never heard of Edmonton or they don't know the ballpark or they don't right. know that there was AAA here. And we explain to them what Remax Field is that's in the heart of Edmonton, the capital of Alberta, the legislative grounds where you can see it from the outfield, the new bridge, you know, 2,000, 4,000, 7,000 fans coming into the game. And, and one thing one thing I want to, uh, you know, shout out to the Edmontonians. Uh, the, the level of knowledge when they come in the park, um, I, I don't think Edmontonians necessarily realize if they're not going to games elsewhere. Uh, they react the right way to things. Uh, they know what's going on. They see a good play. They, they recognize talent. They, they know when something's not right. They'll get on an umpire if they don't think he, he's being right. And it's done the right way. Uh, and I appreciate that as a baseball fan, not even uh, you know with the prospects, but as a fan of the game. It's cool to see that, that the reactions are, are you know, how I'm reacting. It, 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 they're right. And, and it, it's really fun to be a part of. And that, that's what part of this, this building's history and, and the ambiance and the energy in here, that comes from these fans. And it, it's really cool. I'm glad you mentioned the, the history here because about an hour from now, uh, Alan Walkwich is going to join us. He's the former Chief Justice of the Province of Alberta. Fairly high-ranking job. He was a bat boy for oh, John nice. Ducey back uh, in the late 40s and early 50s. So maybe one of your guys is one day going to yeah. be the Chief Justice of Alberta or something like that. Well, Who that's knows? the memories. That, that's, <laughs> that's cool that you mentioned that, too, because we have you know, 10, 12-year-olds doing bat boy stuff for us. And I remember when I was at that age, that was a cool thing to do. You know, whether it was the hockey stick boy, you know, grabbing the tape or the bat boy at, at that time, you know, the Tellus Field and now it's Remax Field. Those kids get those opportunities and those memories that could propel them through winter or when they're 15, they remember what it was like to interact with, you know, our three hole or the guy that hit two home runs the game that they were at. And those are the memories that get passed down through you know, friends and, and teammates on the 12-year-old all-star team, and, and they talk about that. Hey, let's go to the prospects game. Hey, this happened. Hey, that happened. And, and that that helps grow the game. And that those are the, the little intricate things that, um, you know, you don't see coming through the turnstiles, but that's what we see with, with the kids on the field, the pregame clinics, all that kind of stuff. The, the reach that we have into the youth, um, it, it, it's really cool to see those relationships form with our players and the kids in the community. Jordan Blundell joining us here live at REMAX Field. He's the assistant general manager for the Edmonton Prospects. They're playing Okotoks at 7, so if you're making your way down here or, or looking for something uh, to do tonight, you can still easily make first pitch or at least the bottom of the first. Uh, Canada Day is going to be fun. You guys get the traditional home game there, 7 o'clock. 
I'll let you set the scene about everything that's going on. What a night that is. It's so awesome. It's it's one of the most special nights in summer collegiate baseball in North America, which let's just say the world. You know, we'll put that on it because there's not a lot of summer collegiate baseball being played outside of North America. Um, 7,500 Edmontonians, Canadians, and other nationalities, everybody's welcome. Uh, Celebrating, you know, our birthday as a nation. The fireworks in the background, a ballpark with the sights and sounds, the smells, the, the hot dogs, crack of the back. The pine tar, um, the energy. The energy is, is so awesome in Edmonton at sporting events, and, and we're really fortunate that we get to we get to host that energy. Um, I was at Game Six of the Stanley Cup when, when we had it here. I, I still get goosebumps thinking the game was awesome. I'm, no, I'm an Oilers fan, so all that. But walking in the building, the energy. It's something that I'll never forget. Now, we're not going to have Game 6 energy in here for that, but we'll have our own version of that energy, and it's, it's second to none. It's, it's super special in, in, in Canada that we have that here, and we can do that you know, for the birthday of Canada, for, for our franchise, for the fans that come out in this facility, in the River Valley. Like it, it, it's, it's so unique. It's so unique in the country that, that we get to do something this cool. Band before the game, another band after the game, yeah. and fans can just the game. No, if there aren't any crazy extra innings, eleven yeah. around ten, yeah. and then Fingers so crossed, you can sit right? here until yeah. eleven and have one of the best views possible for yeah. the fireworks. Exactly. They're going to be launched from across the river, yeah. right exactly. up the, the, the best seat in the best seat in the city is at Remax Field. So uh, doors are going to open at five. Uh, there's going to be a band playing. It, it's it's just going to be a fun event from start to finish. So get down here early. I want to ask you, I want to just get your story out there too, because you're you're a proud uh, Edmontonian, played your baseball and other minor sports right here yep. in the city before going off to do some playing and coaching, and, uh, and now you've come home. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. I was in uh, on Vancouver Island for 12 years. I've got a lot of friends that are Vancouver Canucks fans. Um, the Oilers, we had that little stretch of we weren't doing so well, and, and I wore it. It was it was given to me for a long time out there, and I was in the enemy's lair. And it's good to be back home. <laughs> uh, I, I love E-Town. All my friends out there would say nobody loves E-Town more than you, Jordan. Um, it's cool to be back. It's, it's kind of full circle now that I get to uh, do a lot of work with you know little league players, with with youth players, as well as like the top high school guys. I remember what it was like when I was pursuing the, the dream I had, which was to play professionally. And uh, fortunate enough, I got to play three games in independent baseball. Uh, I played against the Cracker Cats. I actually got heckled in Edmonton. I played here. I got heckled. Oh, you by, were in that league? Yeah, I played in that league, oh, and geez, I was that's on amazing. deck, and an Edmontonian was heckling me. I said. Dude, I'm from here. <laughs> so that was, that was a great memory for me. And as a kid, um, you were what? Confederation Park I was for Confederation baseball? Park Little League. And then uh, when I got to, to like adult level 18, I played out in Spruce Grove. Okay. Uh, I played for the mayor, the mayor of Spruce Grove, Stu Houston. I, I coach with Cam Houston in the Prospects Academy. Uh, Mike Johnson's with us. He's from Sherwood Park. Cam's yeah. from Spruce Grove. I grew up on the south side. Um Man, I made so many awesome friends in this community. It's so tight. Uh, the baseball community is so tight. I'm still friends with these guys. Some of them are still playing men's league. Actually, I played with a, an old teammate of mine on the weekend. I played one game to help him out. It felt good to, get, to, to get the cleats on again. And um, it, it's just really good to be back. We have so many awesome things going on in, 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 in baseball-wise in this community. There's so many good players. Like you said, Eric Sabrowski. There's a lot of other kids that, that are going to college. You know, maybe not getting to the level Eric's at. 
Philadelphia, but making a difference at their school on and off the field. The kids that are going down are, are captains, they're leaders, they're getting degrees, they're, they're helping do the right things, doing kids camps in the you know middle of North Dakota or Kansas. They're involved in all that stuff. And the coaches love these kids. We get calls on our academy kids all the time. Who else do you have? Who's the next Zabrowski? Who's the next this yeah. player? And that's happening, and that's been that's been growing over the last you know decade. But the last four or five years, the talent that, that has come out of here that, that we've had a, a part in our academy, um, those coaches are now more coaches are calling us, cold calling us, recruiting, saying, "Hey, uh, was Sabrowski one of your guys? Who else you got?" Right. That's um, awesome. So that's pretty cool. All right, uh, seven o'clock coming up against Okotoks. Uh, seven o'clock Canada Day against Brooks. That's a huge party here at Remax Field. Uh, prospects based. Baseball.com. Baseball.com. And they can find out all the ticket info or yeah, free buy, sure. all that stuff there. Yeah. Jordan, Blundell, Jordan Blundell is the assistant GM of the prospects. I know you got to go uh, get your spot here for the game. Thanks for dropping by. Awesome. Thanks, Reed. Inside Sports Appreciate on 630 it. Chad. This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Is this center field by John Fogarty? Absolutely. Am I remembering back to watching video hits and good rocking tonight on CBC? <laughs> we had, we had, we had uh, what, Terry David Mulligan on good rocking tonight. Then did Stu Jeffries take over? Or was Stu Jeffries on video hits? That kind of predates my time by about... Uh, Yo, you weren't you were born. I'm sorry. I'm asking Kellen thing to remember things. There's no way he could possibly remember. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, good stuff tonight. We're live at Remax Field. Prospects and dogs. The Okotoks dogs getting ready to go. Uh, prospects had a tough road trip trying to snap a four-game losing streak tonight. Okotoks rolling in with a record of 13-6. and six. Again, prospectsbaseball.com. World Cup today. Brazil 2 Serbia nil. Switzerland ties Costa Rica 2-2. Uh, Sweden over Mexico 3-zip. And South Korea upends Germany 2-0. The Germans are out. They will not advance to the knockout stage. The Germans will not advance to the knockout stage. One of the pre-tournament favorites. Our Morgan Black went across the street from 630 Ched to the German Cultural Center for this report. It was a game of highs and lows. Not for Team Germany, as one might expect. They had more lows than highs. But for the fans cheering them on at the German Cultural Center here in Edmonton. At times, the fans moved in a unison most teams would only dream of achieving. And other times, the emotions were all over the place. Fan Frank Friesucker takes you through what's going through his mind. Nervous, <laughs> tension, <laughs> hope. Gene Principe, an Italy fan, was also on edge. I'm feeling nervous and I'm not even German, so that tells you how important this is for Germany to try and get a goal here, to try and advance. This is incredible. And then there was a goal, but not the one the fans wanted. Oh, no! Oh, that's it. But was it offside? By the end of the last few minutes, the fans had had enough. Quit doing this to me. But the goal was good, and the fans ready to call it a day. Germany player kicked it, though. No. It's a goal. No. No. 
defending champion Germany was eliminated after a 2-0 loss to South Korea. The building went from electrified to fizzled out within minutes. Principe's wife Karen, a longtime Germany fan, says she wasn't too impressed with the team's gameplay. How do you think Germany played today? <laughs> well, not to their best capacity, that's for sure. Though the building was clearing out fast with disappointed fans, they looked to the silver lining on the horizon. Do you think you'll go to a World Cup game when it comes to North America? Oh, yeah, try to stop me. I will be there. As for if these fans will be cheering for Team Canada or sticking with Team Germany, that's a tough one. Oh, that's going to be hard. Uh, certainly for both, all the way until they face each other, and then, and then we'll have to see. For 6.30 Ched, I'm Morgan Black. Uh, great stuff there for Morgan Black. If you know where 630 Chet is located on Roper Road, we're right across the street from the German Cultural Center. So Morgan went over there for that story today. I did a story over there four years ago when Germany blasted Brazil 7-1 in the semifinal. And I, I was at Chet, and I was like, soccer's low scoring. So I thought, well, I'll go over for the second half. And then all of a sudden, Germany got like all these goals. So I still went over for the second half. But by that point, the German fans, who were thrilled, by the way, many of them though were, were kind of happy when Brazil scored. So at least they got something on the board. But uh, that is the big story from the World Cup today. No more Germany in the World Cup. Kellen Kennedy, you know what we're going to do? What's that? We're, we're going to add Morgan Black to the Inside Sports World Cup All-Star team. All right. So we got, we got Lukaku. We got... Zuba, uh, we got Garrett's the Southgate as the coach, and, and now we have Morgan Black on the team as well. Sounds She's going to fit in well. Quick timeout. We're back after the news. Inside Sports on 6:30, Chad live from Remax Field. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.